Hello, and welcome to the Dr. Nurse Mama Show, the home of happy parents and healthy teens. I'm your host, Dr. Jessica Peck, pediatric nurse practitioner, nursing professor, and mom of four teens. I'll serve as your expert guide to engage, equip, encourage, and empower you to navigate life's toughest issues with your teens. We will explore health impacts and home strategies to create a safe space in an unsafe world. My co-host for this series will be Pastor Brian Haynes, who will guide us through the spiritual impacts and help us grow our faith. Let's explore conversation keys together and get started. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Dr. Nurse Mama Podcast. Today, we're talking about a tough issue, suicide how to find hope and peace in a broken world. I hope you have your copy of Behind Closed Doors, a guide to help parents and teens navigate through life's toughest issues. We are talking about book chapter four here. So if you missed the first episodes of the podcast, go back and take a listen so you are up to speed on our journey together and read chapter four in the book. This week is probably going to be the toughest issue we will tackle together on this journey. Today's episode is going to be a little longer, but I hope you'll stay with me until the end. This is a serious issue to unpack, and we need to walk through it slowly and carefully. This is a matter of life and death. The reality of what our teens are facing is that suicide is now surpassing accidental injury as the number one cause of death in young people. We have to recognize that some teens are more afraid of life than they are of death. They're more afraid of living than they are of dying. And you know what? What we are afraid of as parents is saying it out loud and talking about it. We may be afraid it will give them ideas, or it seems somehow insensitive or accusatory. Do you know what we fear as parents more than the actual physical threat of death? If we're really honest, the threat of fatal social injuries. Now, we don't think this consciously, but if you really stop and think for a minute, you'll realize your actions can reflect this priority, and that's why we keep it secret. I want you to hear me say this loud and clear. Talking about suicide will not give someone ideas that weren't there before. It won't. Talking about suicide does not increase the risk of suicide. We need to have the courage and confidence to say it out loud. It's absolutely okay to talk about suicide risk. We can't assume a false sense of security and adopt the not-my-kid mindset. Suicide is often a very impulsive decision. A study of teen survivors of suicide in Houston found that one in four deliberated less than five minutes before. Another quarter deliberated between five and 19 minutes, and another quarter, 20 minutes to an hour, while only 13% said one day or more. We need to talk about this before it happens and recognize the realities of risk. 
Teens live in a digital world in which kids are measured by Instagram and Snapchat likes and TikTok follows, a sense of overwhelming pressure coupled with fear of failure, and the belief that practice and enough internet research can make you perfect. A professor of psychology at San Diego State University said, It's not an exaggeration to describe iGen as being on the brink of the worst mental health crisis in decades. Now, here's the scary thing. She said this in 2018, and today we live in a world where the American Academy of Pediatrics has officially declared a mental health crisis in teens. We have to recognize it's very rare for a teen to be perfectly healthy and not in crisis and then all of a sudden one day decides to end their life. In most cases, this is a progression of events, an escalation of risk, and most of the time the entry ramp for suicide risk comes through mental health issues that are both unrecognized and unaddressed. So while we will talk today about this very real point of crisis, I want to point out that suicide risk starts with depression, anxiety, sexting, pornography, substance use, disordered eating, and many other risk factors addressed in the book Behind Closed Doors. What I want you to take away from today is hope. There is a long road with many opportunities for intervention before we get to that point of crisis, but today we're going to talk about that point of crisis. Since 2007, suicides in this group have increased by up to 60%. Approximately one in five teens report suicidal thoughts or behaviors, while one in 40 are serious enough to need medical treatment. One in 10 youth attempted suicide in 2019. One in 10. For every suicide death, there are an estimated 100 to 200 survived experiences. Girls are more likely to attempt, but boys' attempts are more likely to be fatal. Gender-diverse youth are at significantly increased risk when compared to their peers, The most common hours of suicide attempts are between noon and midnight. More than half occur by firearm, and of those, more than 90% are fatal. Only a third of teens with suicidal thoughts report sharing those with any other person. Why is this happening? Well, there are a lot of experts doing a lot of research, but no one agrees on a single cause. What we do agree on is that stigma prevents people from reaching out for help. Let's have a little heart-to-heart about that. The dictionary defines stigma as a mark of disgrace associated with a particular circumstance, quality, or person. Hmm, that's still a little cerebral. I think about it this way. Stigma is an unhealthy coping mechanism we use to deal with our fear that something bad will happen to us or someone we love. Stigma at its core is simply social rejection. When we hear the unthinkable happen to someone we know, if we're honest, our minds immediately start an internal ticker tape like this. Alcoholic, mental illness, abuse, debt. Your brain clicks to a stop. 
when you find the thing you see as completely different from you. You get relief with self-adopted comfort from the thought, it can never happen to me. And then we share that observation with our teens. Subconsciously, we're just trying to reassure them and ourselves that this couldn't happen to our family. This psychological shift is critical. This moment of social rejection births stigma, and we place someone in a different imaginary category based on a characteristic we see as undesirable or threatening to our construct of security. These are ways I've heard stigma expressed when teens share news of suicide with their parents. Oh, how did they do it? By the way, never, ever ask this question. It really doesn't help, and it just contributes to more trauma, although it's natural for us to be curious. Parents also say, oh, I'm not surprised. I saw that coming a mile away. What a shame, but you know, her father is crazy. How did you not know? Are are you sure you didn't see any warning signs? Why in the world would they commit suicide? They had so much to live for. How could he do something so selfish? His poor mother. These are all well-intentioned. But contrast those messages with, I'm so sorry, that must be unimaginably hard. I'm sorry to hear this. How are you feeling? This news is so shocking and sad. I'm here for you whenever you need me. I don't know what to say, but I want you to know I'm sorry and I care. Parents, we have to be so intentional and thoughtful in the way we present our judgments of others to our children. That's really sad, but hang with me because there is some good news. There are protective factors. Now listen to these. As I list them off, I want you to think about your teen and ask yourself if this is a strength or an area for growth for you and your family. A single one of these is not magical prevention, but layered together, it can be very powerful. Does your teen have meaningful connections to supportive adults and other family members? Do they have community connections? Connections to school activities and people? A strong self-worth? The ability to adapt to change? Conflict resolution skills? Do they have physical safety, stable housing, good physical health, and a healthy lifestyle? Do they have a healthy self-esteem and a sense of purpose or meaning in life? Do they have reduced access to lethal means? That means guns or weapons or substances. Are they able to state out loud or write down their specific reasons for living? Can they voice hope in their future? Do they have a responsibility or a duty to others? Researchers found an 80% lower risk for suicidal thoughts or attempts for teens whose parents highly value their religious beliefs compared to parents who have little emphasis on the importance of religion or faith in their life. Columbia professor and study author said, It appears parents' internal beliefs convey something protective and powerful to their children. There was no change in risk depending on how often parents went to church, but how deeply parents held their spiritual beliefs was the deciding factor. So what does this tell us? It tells us that teens value our authenticity when it comes to our faith. 
Now here's a practical tool for you. On July 16th of 2022, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline transitioned to an easy-to-remember three-digit number, 988. Put that number in your phone right now. Tell your teen to put it in their phone, 988. It's easy to remember, but it can be helpful to simply share this contact if you see someone who is struggling. Just text them to share the contact. If any teen expresses suicidal thoughts, immediately stop the conversation and ask. That means ask them plainly, are you thinking about killing yourself? Seek more information and keep them safe and know where to get help. If a teen is expressing suicidal thoughts and actively has a plan, this is an emergency situation. And if you have no other resources or connections, go to the emergency room for evaluation. There's a lot more to this, but these are the basics. I offer you the tools and communication skills that you need to ask those uncomfortable questions in a comfortable way and to know what to expect and how to follow up. I encourage you to explore all of the resources in Behind Closed Doors for you. Now, during this journey we're taking together, you are going to have a beautiful opportunity to celebrate your child's life through a series of milestones. Now, usually what we do is look at those things through the lens of accomplishments, the time they won a sports event, or the time they got an academic award, or maybe when we had a vacation to an exciting place as milestones. I want to challenge you today to consider your teen through a different paradigm. I want you to look at their life and think about their accomplishments in character, When is a time you saw your child being extraordinarily brave, or you saw them be kind and forgiving in the face of undeserved meanness, or were they humble in victory? Maybe you wondered at the time if you, even as an adult, would have been able to handle a situation like that with grace. We are going to celebrate your child's life while they are still living it because we know these days to cherish each moment. Now it's time to welcome my co-host, Pastor Brian Haynes, pastor of Bay Area Church and Bay Area Christian School in League City, Texas. Welcome back, Brian. Thank you, Jessica. So glad to be back. Well, today we have a heavy topic, the heaviest that we have addressed thus far and probably will through the end of this series. We are talking about something heartbreaking today. We're talking about suicide. And I know this issue has impacted you deeply, both personally and in your role as a pastor. I've seen you walk through that. How do you think the church can be more responsive in decreasing stigma and shame associated with this struggle? I mean, the simple answer to that is to talk about it. Um, You know, this is one of those issues that everybody sweeps under the rug. And then when someone is actually feeling suicidal, they're hesitant to be clear about that. You can, if you know what you're looking for, you can pick up on the signs, but they're hesitant because there is a huge stigma associated with it in the context of the local church. And so we need to talk about it, what it is, what the Bible says about it, how we can help people in it, and what to do if you're feeling these things. I I think that's just key, that we need to talk about it. 
Well, that is easier said than done for sure. And I think one of the things that people talk about really behind closed doors, but maybe don't say publicly is I have, and I'm just going to go there. I've had many people ask me if I think suicide is an unforgivable sin. I have sat with families in that moment where they are wondering what has happened to their loved one. And I think sometimes they're asking me, and I think, why aren't you asking your pastor or your minister? But or other spiritual leader, but I think honestly, they're afraid of the answer. So I'm just going to ask it on behalf of everybody that has that question right here today. What hope and encouragement can you give to people who have experienced that kind of devastating loss? Sure. Well, that's you. I'm sorry. That is the most painful experience to lose someone like that. And I can understand. Um, Suicide is a sin. So on this level, we need to understand that taking our own life, taking any life uh, in the context of the scripture is uh, sin. It's egregious. It's against God. I mean, that base level, we know that to be true. You have to ask yourself the question as you look at the scriptures, what sins did Jesus die for? Uh, Because the scripture teaches us that Jesus died on a cross to save us from our sins. And you ask yourself, like, save us from what? Save us from the penalty of our sin, from the wrath of God that has to judge our sin, and from eternal separation from God forever. And so it says in the scripture that he was a propitiation, this crazy big word for he became the substitute for me he took the penalty for me for everything i would ever do that that, that's wrong and you see in the scripture there's a thief on the cross next to him never you know he's been stealing right up to the moment he's about to die and he looks at jesus and says remember me today in paradise or remember me today when when you're in heaven and jesus says today you'll be with me in paradise because he just placed a little bit of faith in Jesus. So if you ask yourself the question, what sins did Jesus die for? The answer to the question biblically is every sin, all kinds of sin, including suicide. There are Christian people who are legitimately and authentically Christian people who have life issues, circumstances, and mental health issues Mm -hmm. that drive them to suicidal ideation and can drive them to suicide. I know people who walked with Jesus who committed suicide. 100%, I would tell you based on the scriptures, they're in heaven with Jesus because Mm -hmm. of their faith in Jesus and their choice to commit suicide while extremely painful extremely difficult for everyone that was left behind, did not negate the goodness of Jesus's work on the cross for them that they placed their faith in. So is suicidal the unforgivable sin? There is no unforgivable sin when we place our faith in Jesus. I do hope that provides comfort to some people out there listening because, you know, as I said, just walking through the the physical brutality, the emotional, just gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching, it is one of the most difficult things. And I think that, you know, sometimes people think, was it my fault? And 
What would you say to people who are struggling with that kind of guilt, thinking, maybe I could have done something different. Maybe I could have done something better. Maybe this is you know, my fault if I just done this or that. Right. That's a difficult question and one that I've had the opportunity, unfortunately, to wrestle with personally. Um, so I, the things that I've learned are, one, if someone is bent on suicide, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Leading up to that, you might have noticed some things, but if they were determined, there was nothing you could do to stop it. It... Even if you took them to the hospital and called the police and you went through cycles of that, at the end of the day, if they were determined, there's nothing you could do to stop that. And so you cannot, you should not own that as a personal responsibility. It was only the person's choice uh, who, who did that. That is the responsibility. And I would say lay that burden down. Um, that's hard to do. I understand that's hard to do, but I would say intellectually, I can understand. We need to lay that burden down. Spiritually, lay that burden down at the feet of Jesus and receive grace. Um, allow yourself grace. It's hard not to feel guilty in situations like that, uh, but, but we don't, we can't own that because it wasn't your choice. And it doesn't mean that they didn't love you. Right. You know, that because um, because sometimes you have people who are more afraid of living than they are of dying, and they can even view it as a compassionate choice in the state of de desperation mm -hmm. that they're in, which is, of course, a, a lie and mm -hmm. a lie that they believe. And from my perspective as a pediatric nurse practitioner, uh, you know, when I first started 20, 25 years ago, I very rarely saw kids who struggled with this. And now this is an everyday reality for me that I'm talking to parents. And the common theme that I hear from parents over and over and over again is their desperation that no one would know. They don't want anyone to know. Can you make sure this medical record is confidential? When I write the note to go back to school, they don't want anyone to know because they're so afraid of that stigma that would go along with that. And so what spiritual advice do you have for parents whose teens are struggling with that and thinking, I don't want anybody to know? And, you know, am I doing something wrong as a parent? What what, what advice do you have? What hope do you have for parents? Yeah, behind the I don't want anybody to know is a feeling of, of shame. And shame, biblically, never comes from God. It always comes from another character we see in the scripture, Satan. And, and what he's doing there, if he is an enemy that is, is trying to, what the scripture says, kill, steal, and destroy, by by influencing us to think, like, I don't want anybody to know this. He wants us to struggle on our own because eventually on our own, we'll give up. If we're, if we're depressed, deeply depressed, if we're facing issues of suicidal ideation. So as a pastor and a parent, I would say, if you're struggling with that or your teenager is struggling with that, be known, you don't have to be known to everybody, but be known by a few fully. Um, I want certain people to know 
if my child faces uh, thoughts of suicide, I might want someone at their school to know that. I might want someone in our church to know that. I might want a good family friend to know that. There may be two or three people that I really want to know so that they can watch, pray, be a, be a part. But to, to isolate is, um, is destructive in this, in this particular arena. I completely agree. And you see them, you know, struggling alone and you see hope and, you know, people who do want to come alongside and, and anyone I, I want as a mom of my four teens, I know that sometimes they may not want to come to me about something. And so I want to have those trusted adults in their life who we've already identified. And I know that they're, they're that they know that I'm going to say, yes, go and reach out to those people that we've already identified, which I think is so important and uh, and to know the boundaries of that. Well, Brian, this is such a difficult topic. I'm going to ask you to do something a little different this time. Would you please just say a prayer? Would you just pray mm. for those families um, who have been impacted by this just devastating tragedy? Would you just Would you just say a prayer blessing over them? Certainly. Let's pray. Father, we are uh, people that live in a time that is full of angst and depressive tendencies. And our children, the next generation, they struggle with it in deep ways. And so, Father, as parents, we want the best for our kids. And as you're a per perfect father, I know that you love them more than we can even imagine. We pray right now, would you give us wisdom and discernment, insight to understand our teenagers and to know what to do and when to do it. I pray for favor and blessing in every family, every person that's listening to this, God, would you just, would you just cover them and protect them, show them favor and blessing in their family life, their teenagers, help them to grow to mighty men and women of God. And when they're going through difficulty, would you open our eyes to that? And would you give us heart connection with them that allows us to speak into that? And help us to know when to get help. Help us to know when it's time to pull other people in and get help. Um, Father, for every person listening to this right now who's teenager or whose spouse or who personally is struggling with thoughts of suicide in this moment, God, I pray that you would inject them with hope. Help them to know they're not alone. Help them to know how much you love them. Would you bless them and keep them and make your face shine on them and be good to them and be their peace giver in this moment. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Well, thank you. And if you're listening out there, I hope you see why spiritual support is so important in my life. These words of comfort that you have provided as a pastor, Brian, have just been uh, absolutely just heartwarming. And so thank you so much for giving us hope. Thanks for allowing me to do that. Well, that concludes episode five. Go find someone to give you a hug. We all need that after this discussion. We hope you join us next time. Here's your homework. Read chapter four behind closed doors and do all the activities. Your legacy letter is life celebration of your teen. Have fun. 
Second, find me on Spotify and check out the God Loves You themed playlist to accompany the material in Chapter 3. And last but not least, subscribe at drnursemama.com to access all the resources waiting just for you. See you next time on the Dr. Nurse Mama podcast, home of happy parents and healthy teens. Thanks for tuning in to the Dr. Nurse Mama show. Connect with us online at drnursemama.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Dr. Nurse Mama. You can find Pastor Brian at brianhaines.org or on Facebook at Dr. Brian Haynes. Tune in next time and invite a friend. Thank you.